And here's an interesting thing too. It gets kind of deep. It's like, well, no, you should be a people person. And it's just kind of like human beings are people people. And, you know, that's just a very negative tone. Well, think about it. How do people control you? They either make you angry to control you or they make you feel good to control you. Whereas somebody who's not looking to control you doesn't do anything. Just neutral. Just whatever do you. If we, if we need to interact, it will naturally occur. But until that natural interaction occurs, just do you. What do I, whatever. They want to control you, so they come up with orders and tasks for you to do. And this is done wrong. And da 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 Okay, hold on. That would not be a problem. The only problem is, you're not my fucking boss. Why are you telling me this? If this is so important to you, why don't you fucking do it? Fuck off. They impose upon you. They try to control you. Or... They're nice to you. Good morning. How are you? I see you. I'm waving to you. I'm talking to you. I'm calling your attention. Hello there. I'm 35 fucking years old. A nod, a wave, good morning is enough. What's with this fucking song you're singing me? The good morning song. Hi, bye, good enough. Here, eat this. Have some of it. No, thank you. No, come on. Eat, eat, eat. This is strange. You offered me something to eat. I'm obviously old enough to know whether I want to eat something or not. I said thank you, but no. Yet you insist. Why is it so important for you that I eat? Why is it so important for you that I eat what you're offering me? Is it because you care about my nutritional health? Or is it because you want to control me? Because then by taking what you offer me, I am then somehow indebted to you. I then have to look at you as a nice person. I then owe you some sort of consideration. Isn't that what this is about? What the fuck does another person have to do or care about what another person eats, aside from the starving orphans of the world? If your co-worker doesn't want a bite of whatever stupid fucking thing you brought to work, Let it be. The only reason why you're imposing upon them is because you're trying to control them. A person knows whether or not they want to eat something in the Western civilized world. Here, have a butterscotch tot. No, thank you. What are you, fucking retarded? I said have one. It's about control. They impose on you to control you. They be nice to you to control you. Whereas to love you, to do unto others as you will have done unto you, is to be neutral. You be you. I'll be me. Wagwan! What's happening, y'all? It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent 
December 20th, in the year of our Lord, 2021. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Oh, hey, how you doing? Good to be here with you. If you're new to the show, Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast, this is a show where I bitch, whine, squawk, bellyache, and kibitz about myself in order to relate to y'all self, y'all the dear listener, y'all the dear viewer, shared experiences, kindred souls, BFFs forever. I love you. The show's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, my own website, Janathan, pronounced Janathan, janathan-ramcharan.com. And as always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles, please help my black ass out. Share me with a friend. Sharing's caring, folks. You know what truly is. You know, get some of that Yule log, Yule time yog, Yule tide, fucking sharing impetus for once in your fucking life, dear listeners and viewers. And if you're a returning guest to JR the P, if you know, if you don't know, if you may or may not know, or maybe you surmised, that doesn't really make much sense. How can you be a new guest returning? If you are a new guest to the show, or if you're a returning guest, and if you know, if you don't know, if you may or may not know, I am an actor extraordinaire. That's being to the bone, ladies and gentlemen, and damn proud of it. Yeah. Whew. I'm telling you, running your yap, you know, for a living, <laughs> you know, for a dream, ain't all it's cracked up to be, you know? Pardon moi, folks. Quick sip of coffee. Coffee break, folks. Don't mind me, boss. Uh, running the proverbial yap. All the live long day. I was thinking recently, man. This is a trip. So check it. I have a diploma in theater arts. Now, like most, you know, graduates of an institution, there are some pros and there are some cons. Now, when I first went into theater school, the ripe age of 17, you know, I went in with a hunger for acting, with a bit of a resistance towards singing and dancing. This was a musical theater program that I enrolled in, in college. And I was just horny and gung-ho and rootin' tootin' shootin', ready you know, to rock that motherfucking stage as an actor, thespian extraordinaire, you know, some of my heroes, Denzel Washington, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, you know, um, you know, uh, yeah, those are the ones that stick in mind, plenty of other great ones, some current favorites of mine, Joaquin Phoenix, Colin Farrell, um, you know, uh, 
I'm blanking right now. You know, I wasn't always the greatest actor. I used to be drunk and high a lot in class. Anyway, we'll get to that. But, you know, suffice to say, I was really fucking rooting, tooting, shooting, gung-ho, you know, chomping at the bit. You know, chomping at the bit. You know, to rock that motherfucking stage as a thespian extraordinaire, you know? Well, wouldn't you know it, like I said, it was a musical theater program. So there was like, you know, singing, dancing, shooking and jiving, bunch of fucking shit that make you sick to your stomach. You know, my stomach would just retch, you know? I just got a knot right in my stomach, the butterflies, you know? A little stage fright. Or maybe like the DTs or like, you know, withdrawals. I don't know what it was. I used to show up to class like drunk and high a lot. A few times anyway. But, you know, suffice to say, I hated every second of singing, dancing. The picture I'm trying to paint is I was young, dumb, full of cum, and I had my resentments. You know what I mean? I wasn't quite on board to do the work, you know, the work to train as an as a singer, to train as a dancer. You know, I was only 17. I had, you know, the opportunity was right before me, but I, I had it made up in my mind like, yo, I don't want to do that shit. And it speaks to the truth of who I am. It's not really my bag. Even though today I do enjoy singing and I do enjoy, you know, dancing, you know, shuffling around, sweating to the oldies. Don't you take me to no disco. That music don't soothe the soul like my old time rock and roll. Ah. You know, don't take me to no fucking disco. I don't want to be dancing and shit, but, you know, I don't mind, you know, bobbing my head and two-stepping and, you know, crip-walking and shit to, like, a tune that I like, you know, I don't, I can do that, belt out a tune or two, but at that time, I was just, like, closed-minded, unwilling to learn how to sing, how to dance, this is London, this is France, there's your fucking underpants, you know, I just wanted to be an actor, you know what I mean, and I was top at the class at that, man, can't touch this like I was fucking dynamite in the sack as an actor to this day as you can obviously tell so like you know my attitude was kind of shit to begin with but I was thinking about you know one of the travesties of my educational tenor or whatever the fuck the word is you know you know you know, one of the, you know, fail to launch, you know, pre-ejaculated um, fucking impotency of my fucking college days and what a lot of graduates kind of reflect on with, you know, across fields with like, you know, resentment and bitterness, even though I don't have none of that. I just, I'm just really reflecting on the craziness of it. See, the biggest problem for the artist is how to monetize it. How do you make money with your art? Art is needed. Do you or do you not enjoy watching a film? Do you or do you not enjoy watching television. Now, I know you probably don't like commercials, 
but you know, let's say you do shit your pants one day as you get older. Wouldn't it be nice to turn on a fucking TV channel and see some old guy like, you know, you know, I used to be a real fucking loser until my wife told me about Depends undergarments for men, you know? Now when I'm out with the fellas, you know, having a coffee at A&W at 5 o'clock in the morning, as old people are known to do, indefinitely, when I'm walking around the mall in my fucking, you know, New Balance walking runners, I can shit my pants till the cows come home, thanks to my Depends undergarments for men. You know, and you see some old fogey, you know, struggling to like, you know, pull up a pair of fucking Depends underwear. Like, isn't it nice to have commercials when you need them? You know what I mean? So like, who don't like commercials? Who don't like television? Who don't like film? Who don't like stage? Who don't like theatrical entertainment? Right? So yeah, it's an, it's a, it's an industry. And... The failure to launch in my program, and I think it's reflected in many arts programs, and also in um, a lot of other career fields, is the setup that education is the end-all and the be-all. Like I, like I was already a dynamite actor in the sack before I went to this fucking college. Not to say I didn't learn a thing or two. I did learn a thing or two. But I was already I was already dynamite in the sack at, at fucking acting. You know what I mean? So what were they really teaching me? And what they could teach me, I was close-minded to, like the dancing and the singing, and even some of the acting stuff. Let's just chalk it up to what it was. I was drunk half the time. But um, the main fucking failure and craziness that I see in the situation is like they string us around for two years in this acting class and towards the end of the program we had audition technique class it was a class geared up for auditioning techniques for the actor and I I would assume well, I wouldn't assume I was in the class. Like, there was also an undercurrent of, like, you know, basic business practice and etiquette. And they would cover things like just dumb shit, like when you walk into a room to audition, you know, how you state your name is important. The casting director can tell by your utterance of your own name whether or not you have the confidence in order to perform the task. So, like, we would do exercises where we would just, like, repeat our name. Hello, my name is Jonathan Ramcharan. I'll be performing a piece from the musical Sweeney Todd. Suck my dick, tap dancing. Ballet bullshit. Lick my balls, I'm a fucking thespian. You know, you'd have to go in front of the fucking class and... Hello, my name's Jonathan Ramcharan, and I'm here to sing a number from Hamilton. Wrong! I don't believe you! Say it again! Uh, hello, my name's Jonathan... Wrong! I don't believe... You know, it's like, they weren't quite slapping and yelling at me, but like, literally, that was like the class. You would walk into the class and state your name. 
Hello, my name is Jonathan Ramcharan, and I'm here to perform a piece from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Like, I paid money to learn this, and it's just nonsense. Like, I know that now in hindsight. And they neglected to emphasize that this is show business. There's a business. It's larger than how you state your fucking name, what color t-shirt you wear. They actually fucking suggested that, you know, whenever you're auditioning, you should wear a bright white dress shirt and, you know, semi-business casual slacks, preferably black, but, you know, a dark maroon or navy or khaki will do. I remember on our final year project, they told us, you know, make sure that when you're auditioning at this end of the year audition, make sure to wear your white t-shirt with, again, maroon, navy, dark, black, pleated pants, as if it fucking matters. I'm an artist, pal. You know, what do you like, the merchandise or what, bitch? Like, come on. You know, I'm not stinging for my supper here. You know, you're looking at fucking, you know... Variety Fair, fucking Forbes 500, fucking, you know, Oscar contender here, Jonathan Ramtram, you know? You know, who gives a boom clot blood clot fuck what color my fucking shirt is, buddy? You know? Sit down, shut up, and let me show you what this fucking acting thing's all about, you fucking mongoloid. You know, like, and again, I was half in the bag, like, you know, as a young thespian, you know, I mean, little, you know. Wasn't all there always, all the time, you know? As many thespians are prone to be known as. So anyway, in that end-of-the-year program when you're supposed to wear the white shirt and the fucking pleated pants and the fucking loafers, I roll in there with a fucking canary yellow fucking Tweety Bird. I thought I saw a putty cat. I did. I did see a putty cat. I'm wearing a fucking canary yellow shirt, similar to this, just like a long-sleeve cotton shirt. And, you know, as I dwell upon it now, all these years later, you know, actually, I rocked that audition. I got a little bit of work. I got a few gigs and they're all shit. You know, some fucking whack-ass play that I did. Then I, I got a gig at... Actually, I, I kind of like this one. I had this, like, recurring gig at the library. It was like children's theater. You know, I got to play a dog. <laughs> Bow, wow, wow, and woof, 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 and this is how I talk. <laughs> you know, I played a dog at the library for the kids, you know? Because I understand trick love the kids, you know? I was, like, doing, like, little fucking shows for kids and shit at the library. It was actually quite fun. I, I won the best actor award from some five-year-old, you know? I thought his mother was hitting on me, actually. You know, I was, like, in, I was in my dog outfit, right? I was in my dog costume, right? <laughs> I get off stage, right? I was about to go have a cigarette, right? I was like, ugh, fucking kids, right? And I'm about to light up a cigarette, and I'm in my dog costume. This this uh, woman comes up to me. She's like, somebody has something that they want to say to you. I'm like, is this bitch hitting on me? I'm like, spit it out. Like, what? I'm single, all right? You want to, you know, single and ready to mingle. What's up? She's like, no, somebody has something they want to say to you. And then, like, 
peeking out from behind his mother's butt. I guess he was like hid behind her butt, like by her leg and her like her gams, her butt and her legs and her. You know, he's like standing behind his. You know how kids are; they're only like two foot tall, right? So he's like peeks out of his mother's butt crack. You know, this little fucking five year old. I was like, "Hey, what's up, buddy?" He goes. And he like hands me a piece of paper that said best actor. You know, some little five-year-old awarded me the best actor in the dog show as I was playing a dog. So, I mean, like, you know, that was pretty moving. Um, you know what I mean? So there have been a lot of milestones in this career of mine. But, you know, as I reflect on, you know, that audition where, you know, they said, oh, you must wear a white shirt. And I go and I wear a canary yellow shirt. And then they're pressing on you to say your name a certain way. My name is so-and-so. If that's going to be like some indicating factor, whether or not you're a competent actor, performer, you know what I mean? <laughs> Fucking, you know, just outlandishly absurd. And the actual business of the performer was like wildly overlooked where it's like, you know, it was alluded to, but like really you need to cultivate your own material. You need to put projects together for yourself. You need to work on your business relationships. You need to be able to come out of your comfort zone in order to network. And networking sounds phony, but it's really just being open and connective, connected to like-minded people. I mean, don't just walk up to any old fucking person who is in the arts and thrust them a business card and go, I'm so-and-so. I play tiddlywinks professionally. Maybe you can get together with me and we can do a tiddlywink production or whatever the fuck, right? Like, be sincere. Be aware of the people you are dealing with when you network. But I mean, like any business skill, like we should have taken a business class, business etiquette, business theory, you know, entrepreneurial tactics 101, Shit like that, rather than state your name to the class. My name is Jonathan. I'm going to be singing a song from West Side Story. Or like, you know, ooh, do you like my fucking button-up Oxford shirt? You know, is that going to make you give me a job? Stupid, right? So, you know... That was the failing of that program. It really had no depth of business reality. I mean, they, in all fairness, you know, they had some very great instructors, like the singers, the dancers, the acting coaches. But like, what was it all geared towards? It was geared towards what? Community theater? <laughs> Which is cool, but I mean... We were going to school to be professional performers. Not these hat-in-hand fucking street peasant performers. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. I've done street shows as well, but 
you know, it's it's just really funny to think like we really had no business training in this post-secondary school. And the things they emphasize just seem so strange in hindsight. And that's relatable across a lot of fields. People getting these degrees and diplomas and all these fucking disciplines that it's like, yo, you could just learn the shit on YouTube and do it yourself. Now, I am not anti-education if it is your want to pursue higher learning, go for it. Um, I just think that it needs to be, you know, a well thought out acquisition. You know, if you're going to go after something, you know, it should be well thought out and, um, you know, talk, talk to people and get a, a good sense of things. Don't be just corralled into a path of higher learning education because that's what they tell you. It has to be of benefit to you and you have to know the stakes because I didn't know the stakes when I went. Number one, I didn't want to learn anything about act, singing and dancing. So that should have been a red flag for me to begin with. It's like, Two thirds of the program, I would say more like it was the vast majority of the program was singing and dancing, which I'm not interested in professionally. I'm not a singer. I'm not a dancer. I can dink around with it if I have to for a role, but it's not something that I care about at all. Whereas acting was my main focus and is my main focus. Well, one of them, you know, as a performer, you wear many hats, but you know, it's getting long winded here. Suffice to say, you know, in the world of higher learning, to any of y'all youngins, any of y'all munchkins out there, you know, or any of y'all 58-year-olds going back to school, whatever the fuck it is, you got to be aware of what you're getting into, ask the right questions, weigh the pros, weigh the cons, and don't feel corralled into... Or backed into a corner by the prospect of education. You know? Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor extraordinaire. See, I fuck lines up and all the time. I guess I really didn't learn anything. Actor extraordinaire. Coffee break balls. Don't mind me, balls. I am also a stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Yes. I thought it might be kind of fun to write a joke in real time on the podcast. Now, there's this little um, piece of information that I uh, saw online like two weeks ago. I kept the window open on my cell phone, but I've been just too fucking lazy to get around to writing out the damn joke. So I got this fucking screen that's been, you know, open on my cell phone, this tab. It's been open for like the last three weeks getting around to writing this damn joke. And, um, you know, 
So here we go. I'll write the joke in real time and we'll see how you guys think about it. Alright, here we go. Let's open up. Bob Ross style. Yes, all jokes are fun. It's your world. It's your world of a joke. You know, there's no such thing as a wrong joke or a bad joke. Just happy accidents. You know, so what if you say the word retard or cunt, fuckface, you know, shit disturbing, fucking, whatever the fuck, potty mouth, you know? It's your world. Happy accidents. Yes. Writing a joke. All right. Actually, you know what? I have the joke written in my head. So I'm not going to dink around with this. See, sometimes you write jokes in your head. Sometimes it's kind of like, you know, you just kind of measure it up in your head. You know, and you got it. Now, I do generally like writing long form, but it's going to be a little too long on the podcast. You know, it's going to be a little bit too much dead air and a bit of uh, mumbling around. Right. So check this out. Here's the premise for the joke. You know, it's like, you know, I'm starting to see why women do get upset with men a lot of time. You know, we are some mansplaining, egotistical fucking manhandling, pompous pricks at times. I mean, it's hard to celebrate a woman's accomplishment, you know? You know, my ball bag's always in the way. Check this out. So, you know, I'm on Google the other day, and um, I see one of those, you know, how they always have those stupid fucking cartoons of, like, some random thing. (gasps) What does it mean? Uh, I gotta click on it to find out what happened on this day in this industry. Uh. So, like, one day I'm on Google and I see this bitch with a microscope, right? I'm like, what the fuck's that all about? So, I click on it, right? And it says, Kamal Ranadive. Kamal J. Singh Ranadive was an Indian biomedical researcher known for her research on the links between cancers and viruses. She was a founding member of the Indian Women's Science Association. Oh, wow. You know, that's a beautiful story of like you know this woman one of the first in her field you know she was a founding member of the indian woman scientists association and it's like a celebration of women but all i can think of was you know in this little google snippet it says that she was born in poon poon p-u-n-e poon india that's all i took from that story you know it's like so, uh, Kamal, how was it like growing up in Poon? Oh, it's very stinky. Very stinky growing up in Poon. Growing up in Poon, it was very stinky. I remember growing up in Poon, going to my science classes. Very stinky. Oh, stinky growing up in Poon. <laughs> like, how ironic is that? This flowery tale of this woman scientist, and she's from Poon. Okay. That one just came out of the birth canal. Give me a break, you know, a little rough on the edges, you know, type of shit you might have to take the stage, polish, buff, you know, find them sweet spots. But, you know, you see the skeleton. So there's a joke in real time. You know what I mean? That's pretty much how I saw the joke. I just kind of saw it in my head, just how I said it. Then the work would be to, you know, 
either sit down, do it long form, punch it up, you know, meditate on it, look for them other jokes, you know, look for a way to punch it up, get that laughs per minute or laughs per millisecond up, you know, and then, you know, you take it to stage and, you know, see what the skeleton looks like, flush it all out, you know. So, um, yeah, that's pretty cool. First for the podcast. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Yeah. Quick sip of coffee. Don't mind me, boss. Ah, it's damn hot. Hot today, boy. Uh, I think the light's a little too close to me. All right. So, yo, man, it's like December 20th, 2021. We're winding down the year. And, you know, I had a very fruitful, busy, decent year. And there's a lot that I'm uh, happy to be able to share with y'all in the coming days. But, you know, here I am at the end of the year. And, you know, I'm starting to get a little bit more quiet time now. You know, the holiday season is upon us. I've been kind of away from the news as of late. There's a lot of things going on. The Omicron variant. Prior to that was the Delta variant of COVID-19. We're still in this world of pandemic. And man, oh man, do I not see clearly. I feel like I see Clearly, media, pure bullshit. There's always some story, some sensationalization, some twist, some blah, 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 to suck your attention and to keep you in the control of the media cycle. Do I appreciate good journalism? I guess I do. It's not like I read it. You know, I don't know the difference between a tabloid and a fucking Nobel laureate. I don't know. Right? Well, I guess I do in a sense. But like, suffice to say, I'm like world weary of media. For now. I hope that can change in times to come, but... I just feel like after going through this pandemic and then also in the socioeconomic environment, race relations, gender relations, economic realities, the pursuit of innovation, the damning crushing blow of scarcity. In this world, I've become so weary. Fake news. Just 
bullshit for the most of it. People always talking at me. I can't hear a word they saying. Just the shadows of my mind. Joe Buck. Only damn thing I was ever good for was loving. People always talking at me. I can't hear a word they saying. Just the shadows of my balls. I'm walking here. You know. People always be talking at me. I can't hear a word they're saying. It's just the shadows of my mind. If those are the lyrics. I'm like world weary. So. Hopefully going into 2022. Major optimistic. I always am. You know. I keep it right with God. You know. Um, I believe in God. My higher power. I'm not stressed out. I'm not saddened or burdened I'm just weary just when I when I look at my cell phone or if I look at a newspaper it's just like nothing new nothing new they ain't saying nothing new it's just a fear game and I just, uh, it's hard to know how to make tops or tails of it. Though the challenge of being a person in your time is to rise to the challenges of your time. So that being said, you know, I can't, you know, pass the buck, shrink from the responsibility. And going into the new year, I'm going to make a, revamp and hey you know this is just the fallout byproduct of this 24 7 24 hour 24 7 news cycle and the pandemic and the flavor of the times but it's you know it's pretty oppressive you know what i mean but um as a man of my time, I gotta be current. And especially as a comedian extraordinaire. You know what I mean? You know, gotta spit it how I see it. So but like as I as I've been reading the news lately, I just nothing seems to grab me as anything in particular. It's just such bullshit and ugliness and nastiness, you know? Blah, 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 be afraid to death of coronavirus. Some fucking stupid kid in United States somewhere shot up the school. An oil tanker blew up in the Middle East somewhere. Civil war. This, that, and the other. Blah, blah, blah. Are we in the new era of the Cold War? Spying. You know? Online terrorism, terrorist cells, upspringing, blah, 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 blah. It's like, yo, didn't you, any of you people ever want to just chill the fuck out and have a coffee? You know, look at a bird. Look, I got some pigeons sitting on my windowsill right now. Look at them. One of them right now, he's like, he's like, his hair's all matted, or hair, his feathers are all matted because it's been snowing a little bit and he's, he's 
picking at himself, and I'm just, you know, I'm just looking at the birds. He's really cute, actually. Like, don't you want to just chill out and, like, enjoy life? What's with all this constant imposition? Well, that's the way I see it. But anyways, I have to be a man of my time. So going into the new year, I'm going to, you know, get back into the loop. But it's, it's so hard not to see things as just fake news. It's all just games, politics, semantics. And the risk is we can't just write it off as that because these situations have dire consequences. You know? So, you know, something I'm going to be weighing and chopping up in the new year. Definitely. More to come. Um... (laughs) You know, um, I watched a documentary, which kind of ties into this weariness of late that I've been um, kind of experiencing. Sorry for the um, bleeding audio, if you guys are hearing this, somebody outside is playing music on their portable speaker and it's just such an imposition as I mentioned we live in such an imposing world I mean this is a residential area there are townhomes and apartment buildings and there's this one person outside that thinks that granted it's like some R&B slow jam soothing nice tunes you know like who don't like a nice tune but like in my mind, it's just like so absurd to just like go into public and blare your music on a portable speaker. It's like, I understand you you think you're doing somebody a favor. You think you're being cool or it's nice or, hey, you know, we should appreciate good music or music or whatever, right? But it's like, don't you understand that you live in your world and I live in mine? Maybe I don't want to hear your music. Maybe I just want to be in my apartment building, in my rented apartment, and enjoy it without the bleeding noise of some mental patient outside playing music on their speaker. It's not like I'm complaining about somebody playing music within their own home. I'm talking about a person blaring music in public, in a residential area. If he's disrupting me, or if he or she's disrupting me, chances are they're disrupting other people as well. And for what? Their own egotistical, self-interested outlook that people should enjoy their taste in music. I mean, after all, we're just playing music. What's the big deal? The big deal is it's none of your fucking business to be playing music at a volume that disrupts other people. Now, I'm only just learning this now. You should have seen me in fucking grade five you know, teachers like, shut up, Jonathan, shut up. Shut up, Jonathan. Ah, fuck you. Fuck this class. Ah, I'm getting up. I'm screaming. I'm throwing shit around, like disrupting everything. So like these insights are just really newly found. It's like, who has the right to disrupt other people's peace? For whatever reason, 
even if you think it's a benefit to me. Anyway, this Bob Ross documentary that I watched, it's called like Bob Ross, Happy Accidents, Greed and Bitterness or something like that. It's on Netflix. And um, it kind of speaks to this greedy, cynical, imposing world that I've been speaking on here which is like a current theme of mine. It's just like this cynicism in this world. I mean, Bob Ross, the PBS, I believe, painter. He was known for painting these beautiful landscapes in under 30 minutes on his uh, television program. And he would teach others how to do that as well. And he had a very peaceful way of talking. Take the canvas and, you know, yeah, it's your own little world. And it's a happy accident right there. And a tree and a bush. Oh, and put, let's put in a little bit more yellow. And uh, let's put in a little bit more uh, pink in that sunset. Ah, yes. And, you know, there's a real sweetheart of a guy, that fucking Jufro. Or I don't think, you know, that's actually a perm. He, like, used to get his hair permed and shit. You know what I mean? A little afro and stuff like that. And real sweet man but in this documentary you which I highly recommend I mean it's very interesting it's just so strange that somebody could what an obscure thing to get famous and to make money on teaching painting on television like how obscure how random but sure shit he does it with the guidance and uh, help of others and business connections he does it but then it becomes like a whole out war over um the rights to his name and product branding going forward in the bob ross story so check it out um bob ross happy accidents betrayal and greed I believe is the title of the documentary. It's on Netflix. And it's just a story of an imposing world. And how people can be so fundamentally fucked up. Even in the midst of such beauty and gentleness. Now granted, you know, as I alluded to in the beginning of the program. Show business is business. And there were some things that Bob was doing that obviously, you know, wasn't good for business. But it ain't my place to, um, hey, I'm just going off of what the documentary showed. You can make the decision for yourself. There were some things in there that were like, wow. Like, you, like I mean, for example, some of the problems that befell him with certain people not knowing the full story, but knowing some of the details that the documentary provides, you can only look at it, you can only look at it and go, well, it's not like he was just some hapless victim in the whole thing. I mean, he had a hand in some of the troubles that befell him. 
They don't point it out in the documentary. But I think anyone watching it would look at the situation and be like, well, you're not exactly an innocent bystander. And that's why business etiquette is very important to think of and all the surrounding factors. You know, how close are you going to bring your personal life to your business? If you merge your personal life and your business, it could possibly get messy. That's kind of what happened to Bob. Some of his personal life was merging with his business life. Got a little messy. Not to say he deserved, from what the documentary shows, not to say he deserved a lot of the things that would happen. But that's that's um, the risk of performing bad business, you know? You know, you got to treat your business... You know, it's like the old saying, don't shit where you eat. Speaking of pigeons, though, they, they shit where they eat all the time. As I mentioned, there's some cute little pigeons on my windowsill. They shit all over it. They shit there, they sleep there, they eat there, they fuck there. But for the human being, don't shit where you eat. And don't merge your personal life with your business. It could get messy. That's what happened with poor old Bob, you know, and... All he ever wanted to do was pluck out that fro and paint happy accidents. Yes, you know, it's your world. It's your world of freedom, liberty, expanding frontier. Yes. If you are a horny housewife with no panties on, please dial 1-800-BOB-ROSS. But anyways, check it out. Bob Ross, happy accidents, betrayal and greed. I believe. It's on Netflix. Very entertaining documentary. And you know... And another ongoing thread. Not and another. This is a separate thought. But... You know, as I recently have begun... My own production company. Noi Productions. A production company where I get to wet my beak, so to speak. Feature film, documentary, sketch, skits, scat, skadoodle, the whole kit and caboodle. Noi Productions. I've been on the grind. I've been on the hustle, keeping that alive. You know what I mean? Uh, many, many interesting things to come. Hopefully by the end of this year. You know, it's getting a little tight. We're like on December 20th. But I'm down to the wire on some things. Monumental year in my career. Definitely. Personal triumph. Hopefully it translates well. So I have some very fetching information to share with y'all shortly regarding that. And in order to keep that alive, you know, I got a, you know, two feet in a heartbeat. You know, I work a blue Joe job, you know. I'm working at this cookie factory right now. It's hilarious. I'm in the shipping department. It's pretty cool. Um, there's been some drama. <clears throat> Don't really feel like barking and griping about it. I've come to a realization too that, as I mentioned, 
it gets messy when you mix personal life with business life. So, for example, when I'm doing things with Noi Productions, when I'm doing things on the pod podcast here, when I'm conducting myself as an actor and a comedian, I haven't always done this, but today <clears throat> I focus on professionalism. I try to keep any personal matters out of the equation. I treat others the way I want to be treated. And I conduct everything above board. I haven't always been that way. And um, I think that's the key to some of these successes that I've been having as late, as of late. And the inspiration I feel and the optimism I feel because everything is being done with a light of knowing, understanding, under the umbrella of Christ love. Do unto others as you will have done unto you. So I, I feel that optimism in my work these days. Whereas in the past, I was cynical, motivated by self-interest, uh, obnoxious buffoon, which is, you know, an all right thing to be as a comedian. I mean, you should be a little obnoxious and buffoon-like, but it can make for messy business. So, knowing that that's how I conduct myself in my acting comedy life, what fuels, what produces, what finances those endeavors is my blue-collar Life when I'm working at the cookie factory, when I'm digging a ditch, when I'm paying the bills. And I noticed that in them areas, <clears throat> I don't always act professional. The thing about anger and evil and this nasty, imposing world that we live in, it's never enough. You can't run from it. You have a hard time dealing with people. The boss is always nagging you. Why are these same problems always happening at work? Coworkers nagging me. Customers with their petty demands. The bureaucracy of a corporate environment. The uncaring, unfeeling, lackadaisical neglect of an independent business you work for some independent company and they treat you like nothing you know you work for some conglomerate some corporate giant and they treat you like a number you know all these problems if you can't deal with them in one job you can't jump ship and go to a new job and expect to solve the issue we're talking about and what I've learned from um, Jesse Lee Peterson of the Jesse Lee Peterson show. Um, and just some of the things that I've kind of come up with in my own life and dealings. It's like you can't run from these issues. Like <laughs> if you have problems dealing with people, you can't just leave one situation and expect to solve it in another it's all the same spirit. It's all the same strife. 
So I've been noticing that like when I'm working my Joe jobs, I don't have the same professionalism that I do when I'm doing like the podcast or the Noi productions or things in my performing lane. I take an approach of like, you know what? Fuck it. Like no matter what you do, there's always going to be some dickhead coming up and babbling at you. Fight fire with fire. Now, I haven't always been that way. For like the last close to five years, I know that I made a conscious effort to just kind of put my head down, keep my mouth shut, and roll over on any bullshit that came my way in the job. Within the last, I guess within like the last six months or so, since things were starting to really cook with Noi Productions, Starting to get a little bit of that backbone and some of that ego starts popping up. And it's like, you know what, man? I'm an independent business person. I'm an up-and-coming person. Why should I let any fucker walk up and talk to me like an idiot just because they feel like talking to me that way? So, you know, there I am in the workplace. Some dickhead comes and blah, blah, blah. So then I just kind of get right back at them. Well, blah, 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 YouTube, pal. Whatever. Take a hike. It's never the right answer. It just comes back to bite you. The crazy thing about that spirit of evil and that cynical nature of the world, it it's unrelenting. So you have to learn how to deal with it properly. So where I could gripe and bitch and moan about a situation that recently happened to me... <laughs> As funny as it is, and which is a part of my performer nature to embellish and tell a story. Um, I just, whatever. I'm starting to see that, you know, I have a lot of fault in the matter. Because I see the game. I see that they're playing a game. And I take the bait. You know, it's like I'm closed mouth, I'm closed mouth, I'm closed mouth. Oh yeah, okay, you poked a bear too many times. Fuck you. And then they, then they, they, they have no problem turning around and being like, "Well, what? No, well, I'm an innocent person. No, no, I wasn't prodding you, goading you, nagging you, and crouching upon you, imposing upon you. No, I wasn't doing any of that. You're the crazy one." I don't even want to dignify that with a response. You know what I mean? It's just like, okay. So I'm starting to see my own point where it's like my own part. You got to have patience. You have to have forgiveness. These people can't see. They're blind. I'm not talking about a boss giving an order. I'm not talking about healthy communication and the lack of Willingness to perform on the job. I'm not talking about pushing and shelving responsibility. I'm talking about like the child-minded pettiness of the everyday person where they just get in people's business and talk when it's like, look, dude, I have no reason to be here other than to do my job, collect my paycheck, and walk out that fucking door. You're talking to me right now for no fucking reason. What is your fucking point? 
sometimes when I get that way on a coworker, it's hilarious because it proves my point. I'm like, don't you see that you're not my boss? You don't pay my bills. I'm going to talk to you like a little bitch right now. and It's going to do nothing. You know why? Because you don't have any fucking authority. This issue isn't about me not wanting to do what my orders are. This issue isn't about me not wanting to listen to the boss. The issue here is you're some fucking retard talking to me and I want you to stop fucking talking to me. Retard. And they're just like, oh, wait a minute, he's right, I am a retard. Oh, I guess I guess I don't have the power I thought I had. Oh. And they just slink off into oblivion somewhere. It's not like I feel good about doing that. The annoyance is just like, why don't they see? Why don't they see that they're just talking for no point? Save me the headache. Save yourself the headache. What are you even here for? Aren't you here for the same reason I am? A paycheck. The paycheck. What else could you be here for? We are talking about cookies in a cookie factory, aren't we? We are talking about manual labor, dumb, stupid shit. But then again, the spirit will follow you wherever you go. You know, then you get then you get your dream job, right? Oh, I finally rose to executive manager of finance at blah, blah, blah. After all my years of humping it on the job. Finally, I'm at the stature I want. You can't run, you can't hide. There'll always be somebody who's going to come up on you and blah, 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 you to death. That's why it's important to root out the egotistical, judgmental anger within me and within you, if you want to change, and um, deal with it with patience, love, and a do unto others as you will have done unto you mentality. Not to harbor that anger and resentment because these people can't see. It's nonsensical. You just have to have patience with them. And once they tire themselves up from their blabbing, the truth becomes revealed. You know, they, they have nothing but intimidation and loudness. But when it really comes down to the crunch, it's empty. Because there's no authority in it. Most of the time. And, you know, I know this is vague, but I'm talking in the vague generality of just bureaucracy, bullshit, gossip, nitpicking, imposing, controlling. That whole world of fucking child... Actually, children aren't even quite like that, actually. Usually what happens is children are just like perfect... Until their parents fuck them up and they become just as crazy as their parents. But um, it's all in that world of egotistical, cynical, self-serving evil. Petty nonsense and a lack of communication. And a need to control and a thirst for vengeance. That the average person just gobbles up, exudes, displays, doesn't even think twice. I'm going to tell somebody what to do. And I'm blah, 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 blah. It's like, or you could just shut the fuck up. 
Isn't it true that you're speaking right now for no fucking reason? Now that I think about it, he's right. I am speaking for no reason. Good. Now that you see that, shut the fuck up. I'm like a fucking... Quiet as a fucking titmouse. People think I'm like mentally retarded or something. They're like, how come you never say anything? Because there's no point. Isn't it true that we're all just here for a paycheck? Isn't it true that if I start talking to you, then you're going to be posing upon me and asking me questions and getting into my mind with pointless discussions about nothing. I'm only here for a paycheck. Is that too real? <laughs> and here's an interesting thing too. Gets kind of deep. It's like, well, no, you should be a people person. And it's just kind of like human beings are people people. And, you know, that's just a very negative tone. Well, think about it. How do people control you? They either make you angry to control you. Or they make you feel good to control you. Whereas somebody who's not looking to control you doesn't do anything. Just neutral. Whatever do you if we if we need to interact, it will naturally occur, but until that natural interaction occurs, just do you what do I whatever they want to control you so they come up with orders and tasks for you to do, and this is done wrong and da 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 okay, hold on, that would not be a problem. The only problem is you're not my fucking boss. Why are you telling me this if this is so important to you? Why don't you fucking do it? Fuck off. They impose upon you. They try to control you. Or they're nice to you. Good morning. How are you? I see you. I'm waving to you. I'm talking to you. I'm calling your attention. Hello there. I'm 35 fucking years old. A nod, a wave, good morning, is enough. What's with this fucking song you're singing me? The good morning song. Hi, bye, good enough. Here, eat this, have some of it. No, thank you. No, come on, eat, eat, eat. This is strange. You offered me something to eat. I'm obviously old enough to know whether I want to eat something or not. I said thank you, but no, yet you insist. Why is it so important for you that I eat? Why is it so important for you that I eat what you're offering me? Is it because you care about my nutritional health? Or is it because you want to control me? Because then by taking what you offer me, I am then somehow indebted to you. I then have to look at you as a nice person. I then owe you some sort of consideration. Isn't that what this is about? What the fuck does another person have to do or care about what another person eats, aside from the starving orphans of the world? If your co-worker doesn't want a bite of whatever stupid fucking thing you brought to work, let it be. The only reason why you're imposing upon them is because you're trying to control them. A person knows whether or not they want to eat something in the Western civilized world. 
Here, have a butterscotch tot. No, thank you. What, are you fucking retarded? I said have one. It's about control. They impose on you to control you. They'd be nice to you to control you. Whereas to love you, to do unto others as you will have done unto you, is to be neutral. You be you. I'll be me. You be what you are, I'll be what I am. We can be friends in the garden of life. I think I've officially gone mental. (laughs) It's like ranting like a lunatic there, you know what I mean? But like uh, some of this stuff does make sense, you have to admit. You know what I mean? It's it's the old noggin scratcher, it really makes you think. You know, it does. So, anyway, that's been some of the insights that I've been having as of late. And before I want to get out of here, um, <laughs> I saw something that was cancelable. I saw something that I was offended by the other day. So check it. Obviously, we're in pandemic. Obviously, we're in these politically PC times of Bitch whining, belly aching, moaning, fucking titty twisting. <laughs> the Toronto Transit Commission, they've been putting out these like campaigns on like, you know, I guess, I don't even know. They don't even really make much sense. They're, they're about things that have, I guess, I guess it's the idea that to get to a destination, you can use public transit. So I guess that's what the ad campaign is saying, even though a little mixed because it's like it's not really displaying their product their product is the transit you know if they supply a clean well-maintained vehicle of public transit that's their product but the advertisements for like the destination it's like the result of the product it's like the result of using the product that's what these campaigns are like it's like return to return to the outdoors and you see somebody at a skating rink and it's like okay i guess they took the bus to get to the skating rink but it's a little confusing why not how about return to the bus stop and you see a fucking person standing at a bus stop wouldn't that make a little bit more fucking sense anyway then there's these ads that are offensive i've never been so offended in my life I'll post a picture. Um, one of them said, um, return to rosy cheeks. You know, in in mark of, in, in recognition of this winter season, especially here in Canada, we like to, I mean, I guess it's part of the culture, you know, try to embrace the winter weather as much as possible. It snows a lot in Canada. Get outside, do activities, snowmobiling, tobogganing, skating, skiing, the whole wackadoo. So this like TTC ad said, return to rosy cheeks in recognition of the winter weather. It's like, oh, hold on, motherfucker. Like 83% of your fucking demographic cannot get rosy cheeks these cheeks ain't getting rosy no much no matter how much i try 
Not getting too rosy now, are they? Granted, they are a little dimpled. But I mean, like, you know, these cheeks aren't getting too rosy anytime soon, folks. <laughs> and I've never been more offended in my life. It's like, I take public transit too, buddy. All right? Return to rosy cheeks? What's that supposed to mean? You fucking supremacist? You racist? <laughs> Return to rosy cheeks. Cancelled. I'm going to punch my bus driver in the face on uh, next time I catch the bus. <laughs> Good morning, sir. Return to rosy cheeks, bitch. <laughs> you know. So, um, thank you very much for tuning in. <laughs> and uh, many great things here um, before the end of the year on JR2P. It's been a monumental year. I'm very excited to share what I got up my sleeve. And who knows, maybe my cheeks will be a little rosier once it happens. Till next time, folks. It's your old chuckle buddy, guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan, reporting live for duty on this magnificent December 20th in the year of our Lord, 2021. Yeah, actor shit, you know what I mean? Post-secondary education, y'all mean? Stand-up comedy, writing jokes and shit, y'all mean? Media. Bob Ross. Rosy Cheeks, y'all mean? The show's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, my own website, jonathan-ramcharan.com. And as always, if you're enjoying the show, getting some laughs, chuckles, gags, guffaws, chortles, if you are digging the show, folks, please help my black ass out. Share me with a friend. Till next time, y'all. You live it, you love it, you realize it. A height. Peace.